when you set up your SSD, your external SSD, yeah. did you do like a clean install? Yes. Well, yeah. This I is mostly to. like a housekeeping thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. didn't restore from like a, a a time machine backup. Or you probably did restore from a time machine backup though. I tried that. Or it no. didn't work. So what I ended oh. up doing was finding a, finding a what is it called when you, you find that the the file that you can like like almost like an ISO. So I I found one for whatever was prior to Monterey. That's what oh, I Oh, you found at. like the install image. Uh, an install image for Big Sur, and then put that on to it, updated it, and then just did what you said. Like you, I think at one point you said it's just going to be easy for you to clean install and then set everything up. And I thought, oh, you know what? It, and, it, and because it was an SSD, it ended up being fine. It ended up being yeah, great. Yeah. So yeah, you just everything to download overnight, and then you come in the next day exactly. and spend an hour installing everything, and, and you're back. And that's exactly what happened. Back it was way fast. I thought it was going to take forever because the old one, the the, yeah. the optical drive. So. Well, sometimes like um, like I, Avid wants you to do this all the time. Oh, did you delete your user settings? And it's like fuck. Like I want to get to work. I don't want to spend an hour making like user A, user B, user C, user D, and then you're gonna put to user E. <laughs> this is Jimmy. But... <laughs> Lots of users is what I'm saying. Yeah, man. All the way to user. I mean, what would be spelled? What would happen on a peach? whiskey uh i don't know the distillery but we found it in phoenix when we were there um, a couple times ago and we got it at costco and it was really good and then they didn't have it at costco after that and then we were like oh well where do they sell it ampm circle oh sick quick trip (laughs) (laughs) anywhere (laughs) well i hope you get it at the circle k once yeah um so, uh, yeah, I, I thought I would sneak up on you when you were having yeah. computer trouble with the uh, user settings. User settings. Spelled like Y, said like E. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have my uh, show notes open. Let me go ahead. And I do. Them. Look at us. Both when we have our show notes open, it just turns white. Here we go. What? Oh, yeah. yeah. Fa- this is a better <laughs> like backlight. Our, our, our this is a better light than, than what I have yeah. over here for me. Uh, recent. All right, one four three usury yeah, man. I love you. <laughs> oh yes, it is one four three. It's the oh, I love you episode. That's right. <laughs> um, I have a couple um, housekeeping things. What do I have here? Good. Jimmy Eat World TikTok. Ah, Kate Driscoll sent this to me. Uh, there is a chat thread of folks going to the, Jimmy Eat World fans going to the Phoenix shows, and you and I, you and I are in this thread now. And this was shared there first. Was the first place I saw it. Kate Driscoll. It is uh, a dude looking at himself in the mirror. Says texting random numbers over emo songs, seeing what they do. And they're basically showing the conversation, right? They're texting the other person. So it said, "Hey," and it was like, "Who is this?" And it says, "Don't write yourself off yet." (laughs) And then, "Excuse me, who is this?" It's only in your head. He's doing the lyrics. Who is this? Try your best. Try everything you can. Once again, Can you tell me who the heck this is? It just takes some time. It's Jimmy. Jimmy who? Sorry about that. Yeah, texting 
random numbers, elder emo songs till they catch on. Or don't. This is uh, I'm not Robert, I'm Rob. That's the user on uh, the TikTok. And uh, let's see, here is another. Um, this is the latest video. Oh, let's look at, actually, can I search for the most likes? Okay, that one has, that one has 100,000. Is that Ooh, the pretty song? good. This is Taste of Ink by the Used. This is a hundred thousand. Um, let's see what that Jimmy World one was. With Taste of Ink. This has. How do how do how do I make the TikTok go? All right, eight hundred and fifty-two point seven thousand likes. Um, I guess that's the one. Somebody says I want to sign up to be messaged. <laughs> Somebody says I may have to stop. Keep getting flagged for guideline violations. Sad face. Um. But let's look at let me let me see 137,000. I want to like choose another one that he's done. Let's look at this. Misery business. Nice paramora. <laughs> Who does? Who is this? Well, this is weird. <laughs> Go for it. That's no good. Smile emoji. Is this Haley? Nope. Oh, sorry. Sounds That's like they were having fun with it, though. <laughs> yeah, this is a great... I love this TikTok trend. I back it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's the TikTok video. Uh, ah, Mitch Porter. Did I give you these? I think I saved these. Uh, Mitch Porter on battery acid and Mitch Porter on carbon scoring. I have all kinds of Mitch Porter stuff this week. Uh, is it actual uh, voice content? Because you only told me things. No, this is messages between he and I. Uh, Mitch says about battery acid. By the way, the lyric part of battery acid was so great. Glad you learned a new vocabulary word. You guys <laughs> interpreting Tom songs uh, really is the gift that keeps giving. I've said depressy 10 times since then. I know I gave you that snippet, but not the whole uh, yeah. not the whole bit about <laughs> part uh, about him really enjoying us figuring out tom songs uh, and then here's uh mitch on carbon scoring also i can't believe you're going to play the baseline for carbon scoring without consulting the guy that wrote it here's a hint <laughs> i play chords i'm just messing messing with you you did a great job and that bass is freaking sweet so i think i teased that message before um but that is the full uh extent of his uh, uh baseman carbon scoring yeah um any housekeeping from you no nothing for this one no you know that um I wanted to debut it on the pod. I don't even know if I told you. Did I? Had I told you that I'd found the prank, the Prince cover of the middle? You never did. No, because it just came out in the last couple of days. I that found it a few weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh, this is great!" And I've not heard anybody talk about it. I'm not going to tell anybody. And then what? Rock sound today? Yeah. So uh, the guy as he, a recording Prince head came across. Yeah, it too. started asking them about it, and I'm like, "Ugh." And what a platform to be on, right? To have them at uh, that was was that 2000 Trees? I didn't watch it yet. Did you? Uh, yeah, I did. I, you know, okay, I can only I'm, watch so much. I was so angry much. about it because I wanted to debut it. To I watched people. about half of it because once you I, watching Jim react to it is the same thing probably as he could never listen to our podcast. Just, oh no way! Right? Yeah. So it's like going over to somebody's house and watching them play video games. Like, all right, right. cool. But it's <laughs> even worse because you're like turned around and you're facing the same way the TV yeah. is, and you're watching them play. Uh, you like that? <laughs> is that that's the cool level? Oh, <laughs> did you just jump up the flag? <laughs> It's yeah. a weird That's thing. That's the way you want to go? Okay. So I only watched <laughs> half of it, man. I couldn't do much more than that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. 
We're going to Phoenix. I'm very excited. Uh, starting to lock in some uh, travel plans. I do believe we're flying. We haven't booked flights yet. Um, well, good. But yeah, kinds of stuff. Good. And we're rounding out our year. We booked uh, New Year's in Utah. We're going to hope hope there's snow. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be at like 9,000 feet elevation. Oh, sweet, It says man. that uh, it's it's like usually like 37 to 42 inches of snow is on average. So Where in Utah? I'm really hoping for snow. Uh, Brian Head. Oh, okay. It's two hours outside of Vegas, really. Yeah. Um, Brian Head. There's a, there's a, uh, Cedar Breaks National Monument. That's it. Yeah. That's why that sounds so familiar. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, definitely, it's a beautiful resort up there. Yeah. So, uh, we have a, our, our timeshare is there and we never use our timeshare. So we're going to book that. Good. And yeah, man. Um, so yeah, this week, the song is Usury. Uh, it's by uh, from the Jimmy Eat World 1994 self-titled uh, track six of eleven released. Okay, let's talk about this release date, and we're going to talk about a lot about release dates. Right. Week, okay. Week. I've got I've got my Everywhere timeline has so far. January twenty third, ninety four. Right. That doesn't make sense. That does not make sense for many reasons. First of which is the demo itself wasn't recorded until the twentieth and twenty first of nineteen ninety four. So that wouldn't even make sense that the self-titled came out. January 23rd. Right. Have we had this conversation? Why am I so up in arms about it this week? We've done so many self-titled. Because we've never... And I probably just breezed right over the release date. We've never investigated it because you've always said this is the release date, but and then, you, then you'll then you go into the whole, but it was recorded in the wee hours of... Right. Well, that's the demo, but this is the 1994 self-titled. Self uh, no, then we haven't, talking, we haven't talked about this one. In, yeah, on in a broad this, stroke, usually I'll say it came out late 94. Um... And that's because we knew the demo, and we even mentioned this to Jim. January 94 was the demo. Sometime in the middle of the year was 1, 2, 3, 4. And at the end of the year was the self-titled. However, then last week we did Digits, which was on the 7-inch. And the 7-inch came out late 94 with the alt cover. And as far as we can tell, sometime early 95 with the manila envelope stamp cover. The Manila envelope, th that seven inch features Christy Front Drive. Correct. The first time, and the reason that they met Eric Richter was Eric reached out on Book Your Own Fucking Life to Jim and Joel's production company to set up a Phoenix show. They traded music. According to the book, Eric didn't love what he had heard, but he was like, all right, cool. So what did Eric hear on that? According to the book, he heard the 1994 self-titled. How on the CD is Christy Front Drive thanked? Furthermore, Justin, may I point you to the liner notes? Who only first heard Jimmy Eat World from the 7-inch, but Lorne Israel and Craig Aronson, right? Right. Can you please, for the jury, pull up the <laughs> liner notes for the 1994 self-titled record and read to me who is thanked in the liner notes? Uh, we have this in our discography, correct? Yes. Okay, let's go to uh, the uh, is it the Jimmy World self-titled. Thanked in the liner notes. Let's see. We have thanks to all our families. All our families. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and friends, everyone associated with Wooden Blue Records. Steve Naughton. Wooden Blue <laughs> Records. Right. Steve Naughton. The <laughs> local town record label. Correct. Joel Lebo. Jolibo. <laughs> Jeremy Yoakum. Thank you. There we Please go. Jeremy Yoakum. We'll, we'll always get them both. 
Uh, Joel Lebo, Jeremy Oakham. Yes. Uh, Steve Naughton, Sarah Pont. Thank you for her strings. Uh, Larry Elia, misspelled, but still thanking him. Temper oh, Tantrum, Safe House, Carrier, Aquanaut, Drinks Coffee, Pine Wyatt, Haskell. Carrier, featuring one Rick Birch. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, Aquanaut, Drinks Coffee, Pine Wyatt. Names we've heard before. Sure, sure. Uh, Spiff, Well-Fed Smile, Christy Front Drive. Christy there it is. Front Drive. There it is. How is Christy Front Drive? Thanked on a CD that they've only heard when they reached out. I have answers, but yeah. <laughs> that's only one rub here. Continue. Okay. Uh, let's see. Where were we here? <laughs> uh, Eastside Records, Stinkweeds, Toxic Ranch, Dave Steinbrenner, Jake Stonebreaker, Ophir, and Ventol, The Planet Whirlpool, Aaron Balkan, Steve Lind, and everyone at 605 Pennsylvania. Melanie for being so kind to Mitch, Debbie, Pantillo, uh, Colette and Friends, Chris Elsner, Ty Cobb, Milano's Music, Craig Aronson. Craig Aronson! <laughs> Justin! I can't wait till you rest. Ow. I rest my case! So, Craig, you're right. If okay, you're right. The liner notes do not fit! <laughs> you must. You must acquit! So... <laughs> I'm gonna right. I'm gonna digress now. Okay. Because right. it, it, otherwise, <laughs> there's no reason to to keep this going. I reached out just in that <laughs> night. I invited 48 people on the. Yeah, podcast. right. I saw that. <laughs> I also reached out to many a person asking them this question. The last person I fucking reached out to, <laughs> Jim Atkins replied. <laughs> <laughs> I say, hey man. Hope the tour's treating you all well. We're stoked to see the updates, and Justin and I just grabbed tickets to see you in Phoenix in October. Doing some early timeline stuff, as we have digits and usury coming up this week. Dan Ozzy sellout has Lord and Craig from Capital first hearing Jimmy Eat World from the Christie Front Drive 7-inch version of digits, but we noticed Craig's name on the 1994 self-titled CD liner notes. Did the 7-inch maybe come out prior to the CD artwork being finished? Discox has the CD in 1994 and 7-inch in 1995, but who knows where that info is from. Thanks, and hope you're well, Jim replies. Hmm, yeah, I'm not sure we, uh, we had released the CD when we started talking <laughs> with Craig. The whole Capitol Records thing was based on the 7-inch and first self-dubbed on Price Club Maxell's Kinko's Carp Copy Art Cassette of Demos. When we released the CD, in relation to Capitol stuff being official, I mean, I think we had recorded but not released it yet. So my guess is that their latest piece of music Craig Aronson and maybe Lauren Israel, but he's not thanked there. Right. Craig Aronson was much more holding the hand of Jimmy Eat World. Was like, you guys aren't. They were courting them, and you can hear in the book they courted, 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 courted Jimmy Eat World. Maybe they helped get the CD pressed. Maybe they were pressing. Pushing. Yeah. But it also sounds like maybe Eric was mistaken and heard the demo and not the 1994 self title. All of that is to say. That the CD was like the music was done, yet not pressed until after the seven inch. When the uh, 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 Craig Aronson and Christy Front Drive could be thanked in the liner notes. So that was quite the digression that I went on the other week. And I have, uh, I know I asked Mitch, he didn't get back to me about that those details. But Jim is the uh, best info. Uh, I'm glad Richter he was able to get back to us. On. Uh, yeah, 
Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was a good bit of trivia. I have lots of trivia on this week, but um, that I thought was good. I might have more to say about it. Let, let me just go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I started. You have your timeline is very. I mean, your your timeline is very yeah. interesting. <laughs> step so by I, step. I, I mentioned in my in my notes here. We'll just bring it up here. Uh -huh. We're talking release dates, right? At best, this is October or January twenty third, ninety five. That this nineteen ninety four self titled came out. I mean, let's say at best, since it's self titled nineteen ninety four, it came out December thirty first, nineteen ninety four, because. Uh, of the names included on the CD liner notes. And this could have been one of those so, situations where the the number was mis mis or labeled wrong. Right. And I mean the every the, the single the Jimmy Eat World demo, the Kinko's copy demo that Jim referenced in his message to me had always been in my in my metadata that's the nineteen ninety three demo. And that Orangewood was the '92 demo, but or, or, you know, Orangewood is is we know Grimace now. So right, and I know this is uh, this is unrelated. I th I think I made this observation a long time ago in jest, but the fact that it's it's if you look at the date numerically of it being one two three, and then ninety four, right. like maybe they just screwed around and just said yeah, well one twenty three happened well, to be who's they. I, you know, well, like, and who whoever it was, but that's been repeated just like the lyrics are, the improper lyrics yeah, are 12 I times I guess over. I didn't do the deep dive of when was the first record of this release date right. being disseminated, and everybody took it from there. Right. But I think it was even on Wikipedia is 123, and it just doesn't make sense because it's literally in the liner notes of the Kinko's Copy demo tape from January that that was recorded between the wee hours of the 20th and 21st of 1994 right so here, here's a little bit of <laughs> i did write down a lot of timeline stuff as i was uh charlie daying it <laughs> um, let me just read it since i wrote it craig aronson thanked in the liner notes and i linked to the liner notes here you read them thank you yep. um and i wrote bring some timeline stuff into question dot 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 at 9 32 on june 30th i wrote that <laughs> let's what? look at that's the first timestamp where i noticed hmm, <laughs> that's weird uh, and then let's lead my last note, my last timestamp, because I went on this binge for a couple hours, at least in my mind anyway. Brings some timeline stuff into question a little bit, dot, dot, dot. Uh, a minute later, the Digit 7-inch wasn't released until 1995, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> 10.56 p.m. Alt cover at best was December 25th, 1994. <laughs> at best. Yeah. Then the sellout CD, uh, uh, sellout said about the cd that it was recorded in three days the self-titled 1994 sell out i then wrote out an entire timeline at 10 24 p.m christy front drive sends the cd to jim and joel's production company to book a show jim shared their cd their self-titled cd according to the the book right that's not to say that eric remembers it exactly but according to the book jim shared the self-titled cd with eric richter that doesn't make sense. How do you thank Christy Front Drive, a band you just met, on a CD that you've pressed? Right. So that, unless it was a burned CD. You write, right. Um, at, yeah, maybe he sent him a burnt CD. Eric doesn't dig it, but whatever. Joel says he wants to do a split 
with the two bands. Jim sends Eric Digits a new song. Eric loves it. It's so different. Zach says it was them trying to be Christy Front Drive. Christy Front Drive put Slide on there because it was a song they didn't have a home for. Lorne calls Eric, and he and Eric turns Lorne down. Craig would call him, Craig also called Eric. So both Craig and Lorne tried to woo Eric onto the label. Eric pitches Lorne that they're doing a split, and Lorne writes down Jimmy Eat World. Jim and Jeremy Yoakum were roommates at North Arizona University as freshmen mm-hmm. in 1994. Jeremy took a message from Craig when he called. Craig calls Jeremy because uh, they're roommates. He's like, Jim's not here. I'll take a message. Jeremy told uh, Craig before they hung up that they were playing a show at the Nile the following Saturday and never gave Jim the message. So when Craig shows up to watch the band, they're like, who the fuck is this? Right. Um, Craig goes to the show, introduces himself to the band. They all have breakfast the next morning. It's not as cut and dry as we right. Were it's not like to, breakfast like, that and that's it. it at that breakfast. Right. No, that's the beginning of a months-long relationship. They checked in for weeks, uh, and at that point, according to the book, they'd only been a band for seven months. That doesn't really track, but okay. Um, but that could track. What if? At, Remember that Jim went on a ski trip in 93 before they recorded the demo and everybody was kind of down on Jim. I'm like, fuck, dude, I thought we were recording music. And he went on a ski trip in in December of 93. When he gets back, they record the demo, the 1994 demo. So does that mean that that Nile show was in that doesn't track that that Nile show can't be in July or August because the seven inch doesn't come out till later in the year. So they're not a band for seven months. But okay, that's that's fine. Um, right? Am I right? Yeah, I'm, sort I'm, of tracks, right? right? Because they don't record the split that gets them discovered by Capital. Let me reread these. Tells Lorne they're doing a split. He writes it down. Did according to the book, Eric told Lorne they were doing a split, not that it was done. Nor, uh, but the book also purports that Lorne listened to it and fell in love with the song. But are we mixing with timelines? Does Jeremy, does Eric tell them we're going to do a split that gets them to go pick up the seven inch eventually? But in that time, they go. Yeah. And what's I mean, what's there could be a, a very unofficial cassette tape being handed around at this point saying, hey, look, we're working on something. You can hear the absolute right. most raw version of it here and then you know yeah we're gonna have that split coming out but yeah i think the split is the official that's the official handoff of saying okay craig aronson has listened to this but i mean who's to say that there's nothing in between that between them saying we're working on something and then a handoff or at least come in and listen to this where it's just raw or on two inch tape or something right right and that and that could be un that's going to be undocumented right we could be scratching our heads for that Never knowing if there's anything like that. I mean, could that be a possibility of having a cassette that they just handed him? Just one cassette. They say, hey, we, we took this off the dat. Um, to Craig and Lorne? Yeah. Or to Eric? Right. Well, because why would Eric? And, and and you said what Eric heard first, he didn't like. So it's not going to be yeah, what was right. eventually on the split. So it's not the same thing. It's not. So yeah. maybe this is what Craig and Lorne ended up hearing. That, and that's why they were pushing to say... I don't know. It's tough. It's very muddy. There's a cycle of people that are doing things. And I think it, it gets muddy because Eric didn't like what he heard. And 
Right. Well, what did he hear? Right. And you're thinking uh, that he right. he listened to he the 1994 the self-titled the self-titled but who's to say like they had so much really a lot of output that year that year was huge right we talked about the three different things right there's the thing in the beginning well and jim's take was on it on it that okay yeah we do whatever oh that's cool oh this now okay right and even when we asked about oh who did the I don't even know if this made it to the interview, but we were like, who is on the cover of the one, two, three, four? He was like, oh, Aaron Balkin thanked on the self-titled CD. He did it, and we just thought, oh, uh, that looks great. Cool. Right. And (laughs) they said, yeah, it's great. We'll put it on the cover. Right. We didn't know who it was, yeah, yeah, where it came from. So So I think there's a lot of just yes, yesing for that year, and and probably a lot of sharing. I imagine that there's something like, if you and I, if I come over and and I'm like, do you have that? Do you have that that uh, talking about computer stuff? You know, do you have that uh, that boot drive, whatever? And you're kind of like, uh, I think I got, I got a couple over here, and mm-hmm. you just hand me one. You don't remember which one you handed me. You handed me yeah. one, it worked, and then I wouldn't even know because hey, it worked for me. Going back 10, 20, 30 years, you know, in the in the future, we come back and look on this, and there's no way we're gonna get the thing right. We could try, but I don't yeah. think the records were uh, were written out clearly enough to where we're ever going to find uh, yeah. a resolution to this. Jim was the closest yeah. thing. I'm glad right. he got back to you, but it didn't really help. And, I, and I'll have more stuff, I think, with uh, Jeremy. Uh, and we have some... Uh, the audio from Jim has actually nothing to do with the track or timelines. Uh, this is literally just timeline chat right now. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning. Let me let me continue through the, the sellout timeline here. Weeks and months went by before they signed. They were convinced over time. In 1995, Capital was in a downturn. Lorne needed that band. And remember, he, Lorne had just missed out on Beck. And Beck's loser hit the radio in early 90, in March of 94. Um, and that was when he, that was his breakout hit. Now his dad, David Campbell, who I believe I'm going to be seeing later this month. Um, very excited at the Bowl Classic. Amazing. Uh, and is also conducting Back to the Future at the Bowl, which I'm probably going to go to next month. Um, really? Instead of John Williams? What? Well, he, well, well, John no, Williams no, 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 can no. do it. It's, no, you're uh, right. It's, uh, yeah. I get so mixed up with John Williams. is, is so like, ubiquitous with Hollywood Bowl. Um, uh, who is it? No, I'm gonna, it's going to kill me. It's no, it's not going to kill you. Alan Silvestri. That's it. Thank you. Yep. Um, yeah, Alan Silvestri. No, he's not a conductor either, um, but... Um, uh, uh, and I think I learned that from Alan Silvestri that conducting is very different from composing. Right. Um, different. Now John Williams does both, but that's not you know John Williams is fucking John Williams. So right. anyway, yeah, David Campbell is going to conduct the LA Phil during a Back to the Future screening. I'm very excited. Um, and and hope I can make it to that. Anyway, he had just missed obviously Beck Industry Plant because his dad is David Campbell, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lorne had been courting him, missed out on that uh and and so he's looking for that band he saw jimmy world as potentially that band they could uh they could write they were young they were good looking sorry that's part of it uh that's what they say in the book um craig aronson was the only person that that trusted was the only person that trusted lorne and he was tight with gary gersh ah i i wrote this incorrectly lorne trusted Craig because Craig was really tight with Capitals president Gary Gersh. And so while Craig was beneath Lorne, Lorne wanted to put Craig on it because he knew that they could bend Gary Gersh's ear if they had Craig involved. So 
he was reluctant and signed them to a development deal instead of a record deal. So that's another interesting point that the book pointed out is they didn't just sign to capital. They did sign to capital, but it's a development deal, not a where you get um, uh, a bunch of money up front and you have to pay it back once you sell a bunch of records. This was more like uh, Capitol Records bought them a touring van and helped them probably put out the 1994 self-titled CD. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's to develop the band, not right. a low a low level. Prevails. Yeah. Um, the, they were presented a short stack of paperwork. They get, all gave it to Zach's parents' friend, who was a lawyer. Uh, Jim dropped out of school. Mitch went on his mission, and that was more of a sh- uh, because that was more of a sure thing than joining a band. Uh, and the development deal uh, had needed, uh, basically forced Mitch out because he was like, "This is it, it's too much. I need to go do my thing." Right. Um, uh, Rick was in during the development deal. Band had to keep their jobs even after signing, but the label did support their tours and bought them into a touring van, etc. Drive like Jake, who had just broken up after their 1994 record, and Trombino. Uh, did a seven inch with uh, Jimmy Eat World. That was the opener 77 satellites seven inch. And that was to try out and that sure enough worked. And they went ahead and hired him for Static Prevails to do the full length. Because Mark Trombino was a new producer at that point, Capital wanted to make sure that they had a sure thing with them. So they brought in Wes Kidd. Um, he was the front man to Triple Fast Action, brought in by Craig Aronson to oversee the production. Gary Gersh liked Triple Fast Action. So that was kind of like. Craig Aronson sucking up to Gary Gersh and being like, look, I got Wes on this. He's going to take care of him. Um, Jim uh, started singing more on Static Prevails, which confused Mark Trombino. Uh, (laughs) And then Anderson Mesa reference, uh, the NAU reference. Um, Then at 1036, I'm still writing like a madman. At this point, I bought the book because it's not available. Right. You just said I'm buying this damn book, right? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Thank you for uh, that's uh, patreon.com yeah, slash Jimmy yeah. Pod. <laughs> that's a Patreon purchase right there, baby. Yeah. Uh, digits got revamped and Eric was bought out. Bought? Oh, uh, Digits got revamped for the thing. Eric Richter was brought out. Tom, Jim, and Eric played a lot of basketball at Sound City. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, uh, what else? Oh, somebody. Shit. This is a. a um, who was it? It was Aaron Bruntgart. Uh, said, made a discovery at Brent's Deli in North Northridge, where Sound City is. This is what made me think of it. They have a sandwich called the 555. Knowing the band's love of delis, this couldn't be a coincidence. The 555 grilled pastrami served on a long onion roll topped with Russian dressing, coleslaw, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese. Do you get a pickle with that, though? Says Aaron Balk- uh, Bruntgart. And uh, I love that that... I was like, hey, man, Sound City was in Northridge. <laughs> so, anyway. How long uh, has that sandwich been there? I don't know. Because we, well, I mean, the last time I went. Prince Deli, 555. Yeah. Look. Look, I mean, see if you can see it, on, if there's an archive for it, if it's before uh, 2019. It looks like a chain. So but I, I have never, one. I mean, again, I, I guess when I went there, we had gone there um it was down the street from traffic. Oh, it's school. All, <laughs> I say it looks like a chain. Northridge and Westlake. Yeah, there's only there's only two of them. Uh, the Northridge one, I think, is where they do a lot of their catering out of. Um, I, I don't think I think Westlake's more of like mm. a, a destination. But I don't remember seeing the five 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 on there, and that was. I guess. Uh, how about this? I'll give ago. you this. I'm gonna give you this link. 
Maybe while I go All through right, the go ahead. No, I'll, I'll check out the... Uh, take a look at the Wayback Machine. Heck I mean, yeah. it's not going to go back to 94, but at least go back to the earliest entry of the menu. And, sure. Uh, I mean, when is Brent's Deli? Like, when were they established? The one in Northridge? <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah, when did when did they go to Northridge? Is that the first... Uh, oh, let's see, our story. Now, we're deep, we're deep in it now. See? That original one was 67. My goodness, man. Yeah. Jeez. 67. All right. Let's check this out. All right. So go to the Wayback Machine. Go to 1967. No, just kidding. Yeah, Um, right. But the last time they were at Sound City was probably Clarity. I don't think they recorded at Sound City after that. So is it a sandwich that they they recall? Do they have a turkey on Riot Brent's? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, that's fine. Anyway, uh, real quick. uh, I'm going to get down to the rest of this. Um. Static Prevails released around the two-year mark. No fans could be mad at them for selling out. So they'd been a band for two years, and because the book is called Sell Out, there weren't really a ton of fans to be upset. I talked about this with JT O'Donnell. What there was was a lot of people that were protective of the band and wanted to make sure they weren't going to get fucked. Um, uh, 17 was put onto a surge comp, and that got more guff than signing to a major label. Craig Aronson wrote a bunch of articles about the band and sent them out to zines as a freelance writer just to get them in the in the eyes of people in the scene. Gersh didn't want to do a video for Rockstar. There's a whole bunch of interesting stuff about some rich kid that wanted to basically split the costs with capital and was like, I'll, put, I'll front the money myself, just split it with me. And Gary Gersh didn't want to put the money behind it, so this kid bas- paid for it all himself uh label wanted them to play at a bunch of 7-elevens near high schools they were like no way joe lebo got an internship at capital and saw how little they were doing to support the band they ended up making their own seven inches behind capital's back via indie labels static prevails was a one hundred thousand dollar record and sold less than ten thousand copies in its first year so (laughs) they were really like sure that this was like a mistake um, the band was, uh, they, but they ended up getting a second shot from the label and they did as much as they could with Mark Trombino on clarity in terms of throwing the kitchen sink at everything. Rama Mayo suggested Jim move from stage right to stage center because he was becoming the front man at this point label sat on the record and the band was worried that it wasn't going to come out, um, and thought that Craig Aronson wasn't telling them, um, that fact, uh, then lucky Denver mint got put on, uh, an EP and then it got placed on the never been kiss soundtrack. And then they got the release date. Uh, Gary Gersh left capital and they got dropped. Uh, and then what did I say? Mark Trombino produced bleed American for free, uh, since they had no label. So that is how the entire, I gave you basically the cliffs notes version of the sellout timeline. And then I did get a quote from Jeremy Yoakum long ago. So let me read this, which I think will uh, maybe offer a little of a timeline insight because I asked him specifically about uh, the release schedule that year. Hey, Jeremy, we're doing now that note note that I'm not asking him a specific stuff this point because this is back in maybe late 2020. I even had this conversation with Jeremy. I don't have a link to it right now. Hey, Jeremy, we're doing a track off the one, two, three, four release in a couple weeks. Do you recall that 1994 timeline of that original demo recorded in January? One, two, three, four released sometime in mid 94, maybe. And then the self-titled release in December. Did Steve Naughton produce one, two, three, four. I gathered that he engineered it and that it might not 
And that might have been so early in the band's career that a producer was basically the guy that recorded it. And lastly, where was 1234 recorded? And Jeremy says, Steve Naughton's place was called the Groove Factory, I believe. I pretty sure that's where they recorded it. Your timeline seems fair. I don't recall the exact dates. I was also on Flagstaff in 94, so I wasn't as hands-on on the daily. I was the guy paying to have the band recorded from a guy that had some recording equipment. But August 94 is when Jim moved in with me in Flag. It seems like a lifetime ago. So Jim moves in August. So the earliest the call could have come in about that show at the Nile was in August of 94. So what the fuck? <laughs> do, you, do you want to? No, okay. August of 95. Shit. When did Static Prevails come out? Like the release date. July of 96. I'm going to say it's August of 95. <laughs> Uh, not August 95, sorry. August. Because Jim dropped out of college in his... Fuck. <sighs> I'm stuck on this Brent's Deli thing. Do you want an answer? Hold on. In a minute. <laughs> Jim had to at least have been there long enough for there to be snow on the ground for him oh, to write that God, for you. prevails. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he could have recalled it in his mind. Sure. He specifically remembered walking through the snow through the graveyard on his way to class because that's brought up in the book that is yeah so we while did, jim did move in in the summer now what's nice about flagstaff and Susie and i were like do we move here and mostly because of the weather both brian head and flagstaff's highs are like in the low 70s in the summer so like you know anyway there's not snow on the ground but flagstaff is really really manageable in the summers um so uh, he moves there in August. Let's say there's snow on the ground in October, November. Sure. So when do we think that Possible. show at the Nile is? And then they sign in 95, right? But shit, no. I'm going to say... Didn't and we didn't have Jim any flyers? his first semester. I'm going to say Jim completed his first semester and the show at the Nile. We've seen... I don't think they only played the Nile one time. So we've seen a flyer for the Nile. But I don't think that's the only time okay. I played the Nile. If I go to uh, so now I will look for that. Well, you tell me about Brent Stella. Okay. Well, there is nothing before oh, December 2019 <laughs> that points to the 555 existing. There's no review. There's no nothing in the Wayback Machine. So it it could very much have been due to Jimmy. Well, it could it could. There's nothing that says otherwise. I can't see unless we have someone from Brent's tell us. Oh yeah, that was on the menu prior to. There was to, a show. November 5th at the Nile Theater. It was a Saturday. Benefit Can we for figure Jacob out, does it have a year, a year on that one? Horace Pinker, there's no hour on this. There's no, sorry, there's no year on this. Oh, we can figure but that out. But the proceeds though. went to Jacob Stonebreaker. We could Google. Yep. All right. Sorry, Justin, you're going to have to do some editing. Yeah, it's okay, Jacob man. Stonebreaker, the Nile Theater. Arizona. Okay, so he was like, he was also thanked in the uh, in the 1994. His name was in there. Now, um, can you give me what was the date? What was the date and uh, the day no, of the week? Saturday, November 5th. Oh, that would have to be. That would tell you the year. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. That's yeah. way better. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing. So Saturday, November 5th. That was 1955, David. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> November 5th, 1955. You know what that's from? <laughs> What's that? That's from Back to the Future. 
That's the year that Doc created time travel. He was uh, hanging on a cloud. He slipped, fell, hit his head on the porcelain, and that's the vi- that's the night he got the vision. Is it a vision in his head? A vision of this, the Fox capacitor. It was 1994, David. November 5th, 1994 was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. That was a Saturday. <laughs> this is the show. That's it. There you With go. Horace Pinker, Safe House, Temper Tantrum, Carrier, Jimmy Eat World, Seven Story Mountain. All thanked. Yeah. This is it. There you go. Now, We've... I just random because I, I looked on the Nile Theater. Why do I have this? <laughs> Signing at the Nile <laughs> underscore one dot MB3. Jimmy. A- oh, this is from our history of the band part one. Our second Jimmy, <laughs> our Pod second episode. Patreon episode. Yeah. We'll do the second, the second part soon. Let's listen to what this is. Yeah. About nine months into the band, we got some dude from Capitol Records, a guy named Craig Aronson, showed up. So eleven you know, months. Front Drive band. was on tour. They were trying to get to California because they had an opening show for Sense for Sensefield <laughs> at right. like Troubadour or something. Right. And they didn't know anybody, so they they called up our our sorry excuse for a production company and i think this is a uh, montage cut of the band and of course it was this time um you know their first lp which is amazing um this was this was after we had graduated so this is probably like the summer after high school so you're 18 i'm 18 okay yeah we instantly said yeah dude like we'd love to set up a gig for you and so they came so they came and played in town, and it was fucking horrible. There was no, there was nobody there, but you know, there's there's usually nobody at any of those shows. Yeah, when course. you're when you're that level. Yeah, yeah. My my other friend who was like Poofy is a record label who was putting out our records. <laughs> um, he asked them if they wanted to do like a split seven inch with us, and without even hearing us, they're like, "Yeah, sure, cool, awesome." You know, because back then it's like if someone's asking you, if someone's offering to put out music for you, it's like. Yeah, man. Yeah. Because it was really hard to put out music then. For sure. It was expensive and just a, a huge pain. So they continued their tour, and they were opening up for Sensefield in L.A. I think he was there to check out Sensefield and just, you know, was impressed by Christy Front Drive, struck up a conversation with them. They weren't really interested. I think they were kind of more like, we don't want to do major label. That was kind of back when, like, major labels were, were lame. And they being Christy Front Drive. You were sell out if you signed. And... So he asked them, well, what do you have coming out soon? It's like, well, they, they, told, they told him about us because we we're going to be on the same split, split seven inch. Asked them, you know, what other records they have out or might be putting out. And they said, well, we're doing a split record. We're doing this split record with an Arizona band called Jimmy Eat World. That they've never heard. Yeah. <laughs> and, story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the scout, his name is Lauren Israel. He was working for an A&R guy named Craig Aronson. And um, he hunted down our first seven inch through uh, a distro out of Tucson called Toxic Ranch, which I think was part of a record shop. Yeah, he heard it and, and dug it, showed it to the A&R person he worked for. And then we were we were playing a show in back in the valley in, in Mesa. And uh, after we played, this guy came up to us and was like, yeah, hi, I'm, I'm from Capitol Records. I came out to see you guys play. And we're like, I, I was like, wow, OK. It's cool, I guess. And we went to breakfast the next morning, and that's how um, we got. We started, you know, that's how we built up our relationship working with Cap. Signed us to a development deal with Capital. So, uh, yeah, the, Jim's account, or my understanding of their accounts, their their accounts verbally on paper do follow our timeline that we right. set up. 
However, my assumption was that that signing was at the Nile Theater, and according to the book, it was not. So I, 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 I think I did a pretty good you job. You did a with that damn good montage. job, David. Um, well, you would, <laughs> yeah. You, you, uh, what is it? Without, without a reasonable doubt, you are very. <laughs> yeah, I watch a lot of court TV, and that was, um, that was very convincing. Uh, real quick, I'll just pull up here. The beginning, early 94, we started playing show. This is from the old archive websites. We started playing shows, putting on shows, meeting people, and having a blast. We recorded a demo tape at a church in our hometown by a guy named Jason Borman, who was the music leader there. We actually recorded our first songs on the same stage in spring of 94 that Zach will be getting married on on the 26th of November 1999 weird so we used that demo tape to circulate the gospel of jimmy Eat world around phoenix and it did just that with that we convinced a guy to record a seven inch for us for cheap we recorded that put it out on wooden blue records a label headed by two high school friends jeremy yokum and joel lebo while recording that seven inch we convinced the engineer to record us for a full-length cd so we did that and released it on blue and wooden blue in december of 94 it sold about 2,000 copies all together it's not under print justin it's all right here it's what, <laughs> what I could It came out in 94. December of 94. Okay. So we were off and by about they 12 months. Them, they recorded the self-titled CD and the 7-inch in the same session. While they were recording the songs for the, the digits for the 7-inch, they convinced the engineer to record them for a full-length CD. They didn't include digits on it, probably because they were like, we recorded that song already. Then when they did Static Prevails, they went and brought digits back because that's what Capital loved. That's it. There you go. You figured Let it continue. out. Let me read Capital Late 94 to 95 here from the old website. Go ahead. We were playing a benefit at the Nile Theater, by the way, boycott this place, <laughs> in Mesa after we played an an after we played an AR rep from Capital approach saying, Hi, my name is so and so, and I'm from Capital Records, and I want to meet with you tomorrow morning for breakfast. So we went to breakfast and he said we would get big houses and fast cars, so we signed after we got through the buffet line. <laughs> I see. You're being funny. Right, because right, right. There was so much more that happened in that one sentence in that the book covers than they put. Th that's the equivalent of yada yada yada. Exactly. In right. Internet. Months worth of time in so, a, in and then Mitch yada, out yada, Rick yada. in during breakfast. Well, during breakfast, the capital rep Mitch decided to go to Costa Rica and be a door to door salesman for two years instead. So we invited Rick for breakfast, and he had some toast. And his yeah, this is all just being <laughs> silly. Fuck, we're so stupid. God Why? damn it. Why? I don't know. Because we bought it hook, line, and sinker. We thought they were being. But serious. you know what, though, we are we are we are addressing that, <laughs> and we're fixing it. We figured out the this dates. Is, we figured out the show. How many people are going to listen to the usury episode, though? <laughs> right, but maybe we extract this and we say this yeah. is this is it. And even if it's this just, is important, I'm going to say, well, well, you already do a lot. But I was going to say, if you were, if I was to extract this, well, I guess it's from the beginning. It's about 38 minutes worth. But the last little chunk. That part yeah. where we find the Nile, the, the show, the Saturday, that number, November 5th, 1994 Saturday show, uh, and then what you've just read aloud, I think that's very expository. Um, uh, I think that's a word that they use in court. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think this is very it, it's worthy information. So, this is oh man, oh, I see what I've done here. Okay, um, yeah, I uh. Thank you. I, I think that reaches the end of my timeline thing. Well, the, I'm looking at what you what I copied from you, and that's it. And then, yeah, Rick was in yeah. during the development deal. That was pretty much the last thing that I had from your, yeah, yeah. your so, uh, research. There it is. Wow, man, that it was, was great. It was very like important. It was I'm glad you saved it because I feel like you got more information in the, in the last week 
than what you had <laughs> shared with me eight or nine days It's definitely days ago. more collated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's not even the shit we found on this song. Like, we haven't <laughs> even touched on the shit we found on this song, which I, I don't think will be as big it, of a It's not going to be huge, though. nah. This song is way bigger than uh, you would think. Although, it's got some cool parts, and we'll talk about them. Anyway. Yeah. Um, produced by Jimmy World and Steve Naughton. <laughs> there we go. At the Phoenix Recording Company. Written by Jimmy World. Singer is Jim. <laughs> and uh, Wikipedia says, one song on this album that is sung by current primary vocalist Jim Atkins is the track Usury. And uh, what did Mitch tell me today? Um, I think he basically said, yes, it's 100% Jim. Uh, we went on and on about some other thing uh, that I'll tell you later. You and Mitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys buddy-buddy, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> That's great. What a resource. Thank Love you. Mitch. Thank you, Mitch. That, uh, he loved that uh, uh, Digits was a three-plus-hour episode. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> He's like, I can't wait to see how long user he is. Oh, man. Uh, well, both, yeah, uh, Digits and Anderson Mesa, it, it helped that we had a nice 45 to an hour interview with Jake T. O'Donnell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh. Uh, he didn't? Uh, oh, uh, that is 100% Jim, he says. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, featuring, uh, obviously, the main people, but also uh, Mitch on bass on this, and Sarah Pont is all over the violins on this bridge here. Um, and in the liner notes, she's thanked twice. Look at the man. liner notes again. Yeah, I doesn't saw it. it look like she's listed as a member of the band? Well, they like, gave her Jimmy extra World special is. things. Oh yes, but look at Jimmy Eat World is. Okay, let's see this. I'm gonna look at this because I did see that she was mentioned in the middle. And... I was like, is she listed as a technical member of the band? <laughs> okay, let's see this again. I'm gonna zoom back in. All right, Jimmy World. Is Thomas Linton, James Adkins playing guitars and vocals, Mitch Porter playing bass, Zachary Lind playing drums, cymbals, and accordion, and Sarah Pont playing violins. Look at that. The honorary and listed fifth member of the band. Robin's not the first. No. <laughs> so that's the first mention. Although of Sarah you know what Pont. that means. Nor shall he be the last. <laughs> <laughs> and we we also is it is it at this point that Zach is dating Sarah? I don't know the timeline of them dating. She was always his friend. Got it. Because she's mentioned, yeah. <laughs> who's mentioned three times as a member of the band, a standing member of the band, thanks to yeah. the on the second line of the thanks to, and then a special thank you to Steve Naughton, Jeremy Oakham, Joel Lebo, and Sarah Pont. So three mentions. <laughs> I, just, I just messaged <laughs> Mitch. Sarah Pont and Zach totally dated, right? Yeah. <laughs> his friend. <laughs> the old the finger, the air quotes, right? Yeah. Friend. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, uh, label Wooden Blue Records, and then there's this ISY004 that's on the record. What do you think that means? ISY. It well, probably that's means catalog number, dumb. right? Right. Y correct, but like ISY probably means something only they know. Right. Um, like it's so yummy. Zero zero four. Like exactly, they're kind yeah. of probably that goes along with. Do I get a pick with that? Yeah. Turkey on rye. Right. <laughs> um, publishing, by the way. Copyright, the best I got is copyright Jimmy Egg Rolls. Yeah, right down at the bottom, baby. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's one so of my no favorite demo. ones. I yeah. don't have any information that they played it. However, I did get this nugget that uh, he told me about digits. He says, the set list stuff you guys give are always like, uh, I hear you give those stats and I disagree with them all the time. Like, uh, I think you said digits was played like seven times live. We wore that song out live. <laughs> 
<laughs> seven recorded times, probably 77 that exactly. they actually and played. Exactly, and I told it, yeah, like, yeah. I do try to qualify it with, like, according to setlist.fm. Right, FM, right, yeah. That's, anything pre-2005 is usually filled out by, like, bootleg information. Exactly. Like, if there's a bootleg for this show, then we know that it was played at this show. Um, if we had the tour stop, we could assume that all tour stops had the same set list. Anyway. Uh, I have no information that Usury was ever played live. I'm sure Mitch will have uh, will say otherwise. Uh, notable high notes for Jim on this is B4 and A4. No notable low notes. Uh, listeners, according to Last FM, 7,167. That makes for 20,000.1 scrobbles. And uh, that's one from me at the time. And I don't think it's on Spotify because the self-titled 94 is not on Spotify. Now, this is... and. Kind of going back to what you were saying about like when things were recorded. Uh, I have five listens, five scrabbles for this. Oh, 2010 and 11. Um, you know, it's I just must have had that album on repeat for a bit for a couple <laughs> for a couple of years. Uh, 2010, yeah. gosh, in March and April, and then let's see, and then 2011, just a couple of scrabbles, which was again in April and August. Uh, yeah, I must have had. Uh, I, you know, you just, you pick the artist and you say play all or shuffle and had yeah, that, totally. that had to be, um, totally, yeah. how I got through that one. Were you doing it back then though? Oh, wait. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, apparently I have 58, but that's for a different song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I have three scrabbles. When was my one scrabble from? <laughs> yeah. September 6, 2010. Okay. Yeah. Look at and this. Then in 2010. Yeah. I really wonder what prompted us to play it in 2010. Both. Right? I assume there was an iTunes update of some sort, and we were just. It must. I mean, but I wasn't even listening through iTunes. Uh, you know oh. what? I get. You know what? I'm sorry. So I had the. I must have. I had the files. It was just. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how. How I don't know what brought it to the, to the front though. Maybe they were found online. Maybe we found them on a. Yeah, maybe you and I did. Time? We were both. Maybe in, we were still downloading. Peer to peer. I randomly, because you know I'm a Chromeman now. Um, yeah, I know, I've been man. telling you all you, the time. Justin, I know. I'm glad you came over. Chrome. I'm glad you converted. Since, the, since we started the pod, I've been telling you about Chrome. <laughs> um, but I moved my uh, Safari bookmarks over. And I realized I don't use my Safari bookmarks as much as I use my recently visited tabs. So like really? that didn't really help. But I had B-Sides RS still in uh, in my <laughs> bookmarks. as like you remember I used to check B-Sides RS daily just to see like what B-Sides were out. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't even know that was there. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, and uh, what was it? B-Sides R Us, the guy that ran it, hit me up one time. He's like, oh, my God, you guys talked about my old <laughs> website on your podcast. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, I remember you remarking about that. B-Sides yeah. R Us. Love B-Sides R Us, man. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, man. Wild time to be alive. <laughs> uh, no Toon Bat info on this, but, dude, this fucking baseline is so sick and i wrote to him specifically about it i was like dude this is matt freeman level and then get this what he says to me he says uh he says thanks some of those bass lines worked some didn't i was overshadowed by jim and tom's guitars non-stop so i think it was in uh, a vain attempt to be more than background noise on usury oh and then he says on usury that's 100 percent jim's uh singing speaking of great 90s bands like rancid we opened for them on july 4th 1994 four days after i graduated high school <laughs> rancid huh dude that's incredible trivia wow yeah and you know you know uh, what's me... wild and, and, and on, on a kind of a similar level of trivia um Lindsay knows way more rancid songs than i do like what? lyric lyrically yeah isn't yeah, that wild Lindsay. yeah 
yeah, man, I don't get it. I'm going to play this rancid song just because the bass line for this is the first thing I thought of when I thought of Matt Freeman's bass lines. Check this out. Oh, dude's walking. Take it for a walk. Wait till uh, now we're gonna listen to all Maxwell yeah. Murder because the, the bass, the bridge is a bass solo. It's great. So good, dude. dude. <laughs> so I, I had told him, and uh, when did Maxwell Murder come man. out? Ninety-five. So they might have been playing this out. I imagine that Rancid played this that day. <laughs> In July fourth, ninety-four, he was probably like, "Shit, I want to be able to do shit like that." And then when they recorded the thing, he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna do my Maxwell Murder version." <laughs> like, baseline. So, yeah, fuck, dude. The 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 baseline in this is sick and i do have it queued up so i can look at the uh i can look at the waveforms and 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 play certain parts <laughs> oh apparently uh, you know i better get the mp3 it's giving me that flack issue again mm, anyway go. i'll do that while you analyze lyric justin all right let's do this it's the leaderboard moat all right hey hello all right here we go this is gonna be uh <laughs> the lyrics for usury here uh, only an hour in the episode i know right i was gonna say no less yeah 59 minutes and 59 seconds right now. Here we oh, go. Yeah. Um, I've got... Um, now, the the song title, which I don't know how much information you have on this, Usury. Uh, initially, I thought, oh, Usury, like a, the act of using somebody, right? Nah, this is definitely about Usury. And I thought it was, I, I thought it was like the, uh, the opposite of a dispensary, like a user oh, okay. would go to this place to use, right? Right. Now, I think it's as simple as saying Usury Mountain Regional Park. It's, it's, uh, it's that right. park that's right near them. So... Keep that in mind while we're going through these things. There's a parallel between usury and the area that Bradley Wunsch was was in where they would go party here. And so I think that there's a lot of history with them being teenagers, um, high schoolers going to this place. And so the lyrics kind of follow that is what I'm getting at. And so when I go through these, just keep that in mind. So I don't want to be up on a Friday night, but I don't want to be there up on a Saturday night. And I think this is when I don't want to be up on a Friday night. I don't think it's necessarily I don't want to be up there on a Friday night. I don't want to be there up on a Saturday night. Like, I don't want to be up in that area. I don't want to be at Usury Park. Um, I think they don't want to be coherent on a Friday night. I think they want to be inebriated or having a good time uh, on either one of those nights, on a Friday or Saturday night, when you got nothing to worry about the next day. You got to, you know. And we have, we have a soundbite, actually, uh, tease everybody. Uh, we didn't give you all of Jim's interview and we're gonna have a little yeah. bit more on this and jim will talk about uh a little bit about usury park and all that stuff in terms of like this was not necessarily a place that like that was where the like jocks went out went to yeah. hang out and stuff 
uh, on the weekends. Yeah. So that, that was just wasn't a scene. Right. So I don't want to be up on a Friday night. Uh, I don't want to be there up on a Saturday night. Uh, it could be Jim saying, yeah, I don't want to be there. Um, or it could be like him from their perspective saying, I don't want to be, I don't want to be awake. I don't want to be coherent on a Friday or Saturday night. Mm. Uh, I don't want to be up on a Friday night. Uh, I don't want to be there. When it's over, when I'm starving, and this is where I had a discrepancy with the lyrics here. I had written down from Genius or copied, could it be yanked out of your hand? I had, could it be inside of your head? Let me take a look. I'm going to play from here. I don't know where we All are right. on the song. So far, so good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Could it be inside of your head? When it's yeah. oh, I, I still think I hear that. Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Okay. When it's over when I'm starving, could it be inside of your head? The morning after when they all wake up in a daze and need some food. Um, I think when it's over when I'm starving, once that day is is finished, that night of debauchery is over. Um and maybe he's he's being here saying, could it be inside of your head? Like, do you think that's the good thing? Do you think that's a good feeling to have that? Uh, when you wake up the next day and you're just like, you passed out on the ground or you're back home and you're like, what the hell did we do up in Usury Park? Um, yep, I'm the guy. All that you've seen and heard. What about yourself now? You're just the girl next door. And maybe he's gone up there. This individual has gone up there, the narrator here. Um Yep, I'm the guy. And I think that's kind of like, hey, are you that dude? Yep, I'm the guy. Maybe he woke up next to a girl. He's the rock star that everyone warned warned her about. Like, hey, you're that dude that plays music, right? Uh, again, <laughs> like not talking about it being his scene, right? Now he's taking the time to get to know her. And maybe this is like, uh, what about yourself? Like, what? maybe he's being courteous. What about yourself now? Tell me about you. What do you do? You're just the girl next door. This might be that breakfast the day after, right? Could be. Yeah. You're just the girl next door. You're just like a, you're just one of the people that lives down in town, right? Yeah. Then there's a sick guitar break. Do you have the guitar break ready? Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, sorry. You know, I was uh, doing two other things, but let me. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned a guitar break. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I'll bring it up later. Okay. All right. So there's the guitar break. Then it's got uh, another couple of lines of lyrics here. So now you're waiting to find out that it's something. Wishing to get your face up anyway. Uh, I think we're still talking about. We're now we're talking about the girl. This might be a relationship. This might be a, a, a chance encounter that went awry here. Uh, maybe she wants it to be something more serious, something that would perk her spirits, wishing to get your face up anyway, making you get up and be bright and and happy. Give it up, dish it out, now take it back, now lift it up. I like that. Give it up, dish it out, now take it back, now lift it up. Turn it back now one more. Would I find you there? Now, I don't know why there's three question marks on the end of this. Let me look at the genius lyrics if there were, uh, if that's where that copied them from. Oh, you know, it must be, I'm not, I don't know what he's saying. That's why I have three question marks there. <laughs> Turn it back now one more. Would I find you there? And I think what he's saying here is uh, they're going through the usual process. It's this every weekend. It's a mix of personalities out there. Turn turn around and do it all again. Will you be there? Like, you know, imagine him walking through the halls. I guess they're, they're 
I, I think walking through the halls, this is like Midwest, but no, they're in Arizona. Everything's outdoors. So they're just walking down in at high school, hearing these people talk, the jocks talk. And, um, and would I find you there? You know, am I going to find you there again this weekend? Same as last weekend. First verse, or second verse, same as the first, right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, the last few lines here is, when it's over, when I'm starving, take your hand to rest with your head. I think they wake up and she's using her hands as his pillow, uh, as as a pillow. Uh, yep, I'm the guy, all that you've done and seen, laying on the floor at 6.30 and you're here. I think they find themselves sprawled out on the floor the morning after the party. And then this song changes. So the song changes and now we go from a guitar break that preceded it now to a string break where I believe Sarah Pond is involved now, right? but like you know they mean well right so good yeah (laughs) they were just so caught up in the moment yeah man yeah so say you want it so so just say it right you want me maybe this guy's a little full of himself he's got that confidence uh i think it's more of him um talking about usury park being a thing and it's just everyone in high school kind of knew that it was there and so for them being such a local band and being in touch with the fans their peers that having this track that called upon this place that all of them went, it was good. It's, a, I mean, it was a rocker too. Yeah. So there you have it. those hey, are lyrics. I, I realized I had the lyrics from the old Jimmy Eat World online site, and they also said, um, "Could it be yanked out of your head?" Oh, so it was just a little bit mixed up. So yanked out of your hand was what I got from uh, Genius. Genius. So it's could it be yeah. yanked out of your head? So now could it According be inside your head? Jimmy World Online. But it is typed by a person because at the end it says, just say it right. You in brackets want me. It's so weird how they wrote those lyrics. Like they're trying yeah. to be deep. It's the, it's the the parentheses for parentheses sake, like 311, you know, yeah. creatures for a well, while. I think it's the Jimmy World. Uh, this is not the Jimmy World official website. This is Jimmy World Online, the fan site. So this is typed in by a person. They, they don't know for sure. Oh, okay. All right. So that's why they put want want all right i think it's want brackets <laughs> maybe all right so there you have it those are the lyrics so good and sarah pont dude that bridge yeah very so uh I, I, they knew then i think like we gotta we gotta put more strings in our stuff yeah for sure okay um so track notes this dude ask cap richard e birch what the hell 
You know what? I wonder if that was one of the stipulations when they brought him in and they said, we're going to use... I think use- it was just a cleanly, just fucking... It, what, it's not nefarious, other than his tax shelter thing. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, which I'm joking about. <laughs> always joking about. It's... I think it was just the cleanest way to blanketly get the songs licensed easily. And who's licensing stuff off this? It's not available anywhere. And that might be why it's not available anywhere, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, like, just, like, they would have to figure out, like, okay, well, obviously the royalties aren't going to go to Rick. So, like, then do we have to go through and do all the paperwork? Does Mitch want to do all that paperwork and all that stuff? And eventually, I bet they do. You know what I mean? The 30th right. year of the man or something. Right. So I think we actually, yeah, I mean, we're approaching it. So, yeah. So, anyway, um, uh, Richard this e. is the one gym song on the record, uh, according to Wikipedia. Consequence of sound. Tom Eats World 2. Jim Atkins would eventually take over most of the vocal duties simply because he started writing more songs. But Linton has a feast on the band's debut, fe- singing lead on every track except Usury. And then uh, I have a Facebook post here. Uh, ah, here we go. Okay. Shall we d- dig into the... Uh, Mountain View High School thing that we found? Sure. Yeah, let's go ahead and go into that. That's fine. Okay. And uh, we found a Facebook post by a person who went to Mountain View High School uh, and graduated at the same time as Jim. Uh, And she says, I found this news article in my box of stuff. I'm surprised I kept it for all these years. I knew Brad. He was in a few of my classes, but we weren't super close. I do remember how sad it was that he went missing just a week before graduation. In the article, it was mentioned his friends from Mountain View went looking for him. Didn't know if it was anyone here. Just thought I would share if I hadn't, if anyone hadn't seen the article. And the article's headline, written by Paul Corco, uh, he's Hello. a Tribune writer, says, Mom, pals, push search for lost son. Nearly a month after Bradley Wunsch disappeared into Usury Mountain Park in Mesa, about a hundred of his friends and acquaintances went looking for him Saturday. The search yielded no clues about the 18-year-old Mesa man's whereabouts, but a larger group is expected to return next week to continue the search for peace of mind. Wunsch's uh, mother, Sally Vreek, said, uh, The situation just seems so bizarre, Vreek said. It's a mystery to me. Wunsch left the home of a friend he was living with about 4.30 a.m. April 30th. His car was seen at the archery field entrance by a usury park ranger within an hour. His wallet, Pizza Hut work uniform, school books, and an opened bag of fresh chips were inside. The Maricopa County Sheriff's Office combed the park by air and ground for seven hours that day. Mesa police followed the case with interviews, but with no evidence of foul play and no body, authorities could do little more than enter his name in the state and natural, uh, national computers. At 18, Wunsch had an, uh, is an adult considered responsible for his own actions. Vreek said her son is at a confusing point in his life. Wunsch was to graduate Wednesday with his class at Mountain View High School. He had spoken about joining the military, uh, the Marines, or moving to Cincinnati to work with his brother. Freak said her son was uh, depressed in the weeks leading up to his disappearance, but would not tell anyone why. Freak is not convinced her son 
committed suicide. She visits the area regularly, hiking and biking through the rugged terrain for any trace that could give her a clue of his circumstance. She even looks for circling birds, fearing they will direct her to her son's body. I don't feel good about it, the Mesa General Hospital nurse said. My son wouldn't have gone and left everything behind to start a new life. I think somebody knows something and they're not talking. My gut feeling is that there is something wrong with the whole picture. He was not that independent. This is just not all unfolding. It's a very sick feeling. He had ups and downs like any teenager, but he pull, pulled through them, Vreek said. He had too much of a strong will. I think it's some, I think something happened, and if it did, if uh, it happened in a short period of time, and maybe he didn't know how to handle it. A group of Wunch's friends, classmates, and co-workers, along with Reek's friends, church members, and Red Cross volunteers, will return to Usury Saturday to cover new ground further north in the park. Their help made me feel good because I've been sitting around in tears, Freak said. I'm spending more time alone because my emotions are going up and down drastically. It's hard being here alone because my mind wanders. And that is the article about the Usury Park teen lost his life one week before graduation with uh not only the class of 1984 but one jim atkins and zach lind yeah um, who were also in that class and uh and so when we found this article one night after the pod having just some drinks we went down this rabbit hole for a couple hours really trying to put two and two together did they find his body and all that stuff and uh i think i had sent my sister had sent me a couple um bits that she had found because she lives in the area and I knew that she would uh, be able to uh, she's really good at finding stuff online yeah she was she did it really uh, quickly too yeah she found the obituary I'm trying to open it up here let's see yeah so Bradley Bradley Daniel Wunsch 18 of Mesa a student died July 24th 1994 he was born in Wisconsin survivors include his mother Sally Vreeke, uh and brothers Brandon and Jeremy. Services 1 p.m. Saturday, Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, 830 East Lehigh Funeral Directions. So they say that he died July 24th. That must be when they found the body finally, which is long after uh, uh, graduation, a month at least, right? Right. Because they were looking for him the week of graduation, the weekend, the weekend before graduation, the weekend after graduation. So it must have been two or three weeks after that they finally found his body. But we don't have information, I don't think, I don't recall, of uh, how they found his body or anything like that. Right. Um, and uh, somebody from the class had commented, Brad and his brother used to always be at Proston, at Poston at night playing hoops. Was a great kid. I remember those usury parties. I actually remember that night. If I remember correctly, that put an end to all the parties out there. A fire was started that same night. And that was, uh, so yeah, just like not uh, <laughs> not a great end to the story. Kind of a bummer to read. Um, right, yeah. But uh, then when we interviewed Mitch and we brought this up, he mentioned you had sort of teased it about the lyrics to reason 346. Uh, do you want to pull up those lyrics and talk about how Mitch had made that? Uh, so you're talking about in reason 346 trees and light poles circle. K. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I don't know if I can bring up my, let me see. I do have them here. So my original I lyrics, I don't know how it sounds. Let's take a look. It's like, uh, oh, <laughs> 
I think I have the. I right had dreams, there. dreams in my full circle K, and then he had explained it to being uh, trees and light posts, here. circle Ks. Yeah. Well, I'm proud to say that I know him about me. <laughs> uh, a thank you credit in uh, in static. Let me see. I don't think I. I don't think we recorded during that. Initials are going to be. So I think we hit on the guys' initials. Yeah, it's about it. Okay. Right. You guys are true fans, and I don't know what else to say. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> Love that dude. Um, I don't think we recorded during that part, which is fine. But anyway, yeah, he does say trees and light pole circle K. Because, uh, go ahead. Well, yeah, uh, I think what happened was we, it, that was after, yeah, we had wrapped. And maybe you and I had it in the files, but I don't think either of us shared it to be indexed. And it's probably yeah. why you can't find it. So that is uh, Trees and Light Pole Circle K. That's where, uh, hold on, let me open up my lyrics back again because there's some lyrics that make sense. That's where your mom can find you now. Uh, those were the three places that you would see those missing signs was on the trees, the light posts, and then at the Circle Ks. And just announcing Bradley's being missing, and Bradley being missing. And then that last line, that's where your mom can find you now. Way more hard-hitting and somber uh, than what we were getting at in that episode, yeah. which in, in, in our defense was episode three still doesn't give us, <laughs> we still, I, I feel like I still should have uh, taken it a little more seriously, but yeah, it was an early uh, track that we did. And uh, now, I mean, it, it definitely has more of an impact. Yeah, totally. So that's what he had said was that trees, uh, trees and light posts, I'm sorry, trees and light poles, circle K's. Yeah. That's where your mom can find you now. Because that's where his picture was. The last yeah. place that it could be seen. Which, that I mean, that was so cool. Yeah. So, oh, man. That is uh, a grip about uh, the... Um, oh, and then what did, what else did Aletha say? Somewhere I found that the Usury Mountain area was an area that used to go... Uh, that they used to all go to party at the end. Oh, so uh, this is interesting. Somewhere I found that Usury Mountain area was an area that used to go, that used to all go party at, they used to all go party at, and that he had slipped and fell. I guess he was the reason they stopped letting people go up there or they stopped going up there. I'll see if I can find it again and send it to you. But um, she might have found somewhere that he had slipped and fallen, but yeah. And then, uh, and then there were the obits. Oh, and then, yeah, I did have this from Mitch way back when I did search for the usury stuff. This was early on in our conversations. Uh, usury was like where all the high school keg parties were. Not really my scene back then. Mostly jocks and letterman jackets, LOL. Nothing notable about that track. Just make sure you get the right vocalist. Haha. Uh, it's the only gym track on the CD, according to Wikipedia, I say to him. Uh, well, to be fair, from, 20, <laughs> from 2005 to 2013, Wikipedia said I had one testicle, so don't believe everything on the internet. <laughs> glad, you guys are doing, glad you guys are doing some good tracks. Makes listening super enjoyable. Good luck. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so that's the Mitch stuff on Usury. So I think that covers <laughs> all of the bummer stuff. Uh, and lastly, I do have this is a longer file. But this is when we asked Jim specifically about usury. And so we're looking at the lyrics that we're, we're writing here. I don't want to be up there on a Friday night. I don't want to be, be up there on a Saturday night. It's interesting reading those lyrics now with Jim's context that we have from our interview. So I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of that. Here. Oh, it's about seven minutes 
of the interview that we continued with Jim after we stopped recording yeah and asked him about this uh song the third episode of the song of the of the show we did reason 346 and we were like oh it'll be a really early song let's let's kind of like get the rust out and we're like whoa the song is great the song is terrific and it and it really shows like the elevation the elevated songwriting that existed early in the band um uh (coughs) excuse me and um and so when we put that light into a song like usury which going into it had no context at all um we ended up talking to mitch a little bit about it he didn't have a ton of information but he did put into context some of the lyrics in reason 346 which uh sort of had to do with the same story i think it was uh the kid's mom putting up posters at the circle k and we were just soaked to hear about circle k because we're big bill and ted fans so we were like oh circle k that's cool um (laughs) and so about that Oh, sick. So that, that's essentially the context through which I'm framing this. And so to see going back is a very, very old song, but we'll probably, if we, if, if you're cool with it, trim a little bit of this part and put that in the usury episode uh, to give yeah. context to a really old song, obviously. But um, yeah, I think like a, for a lot of the songs that we wrote and lyrics that we actually for a lot of the lyrics we wrote, I mean, the songs were just like, Hey, let's do this. Oh, cool. Is that rad. What do we do there? I don't know. <laughs> How about this? Cool. That was the music writing. Um, but as far as like lyric writing goes, I think, you know, for a really long time, I just viewed it all as like, uh, what's, what's, what's happening lately kind of things, you know? So it would be not necessarily about any, I mean, it might have, it might have a, a vague kind of direction, but that could be informed by whatever, whatever recently was, is like happening or around. So, I think it was um, that was just something that jumped out of me, you know, like that this is really messed up. And I don't know, just I felt like it was a, you know, an experience that I think um, just kind of stuck with me. So for whatever reason, it stuck with me. So I thought that's that's something I should write about or put it in there, you know, but it wasn't really it wasn't necessarily like more like a document, more of like a journal entry than than being about anything sure i mean obviously now it's it's about like i could i could frame it like it's sort of about the high school experience sure in general you know yeah um and do you ever go back and just like like on a drive do you like oh yeah like i'm gonna throw on a really old song or really old record or something like that you ever go and revisit nah. those? <laughs> it's also like nah. opening your journal from high school and right. reading it on purpose <laughs> a little cringe yeah i'm not yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess like I can, I can look at it. I, I can, I know that like at the time we felt like it was the best thing we could do. Like hand, easily, hands down, no, no doubt that it was the best thing that we could do. And, you know, I can cut past me some slack for that. If it's not what I would consider the best thing I can do now. I mean, that's always going to be the case. You're always going to be, um, you know, your preferences, your, interests your uh outlook on everything is going to be evolving and changing i hope you know yeah <laughs> so they're stepping stones man yeah exactly <laughs> so you can't be too hard on your high school poetry of course yeah and even, <laughs> even though it's not a, anything you would want to associate associate yourself with now yeah uh, and i think I, I i would like to say that justin and i 
frame when we do those older songs it's framing it with that with that light right um right and obviously they're on the lower spectrum of songs that we're familiar with from the band so going and revisiting them we it's fun to put on that hat and and see it from that perspective and not know that static prevails even exists yet you know yeah i think like especially for the self-titled first album it was really just like you said it was all that material was within the first nine ten months as a band when you're just like uh kind of no 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 filter. there's i'm sort of envious of past me in the regard that there's no filter at all and you just made stuff and that was cool didn't care whatever you know is you like it rad you know that's kind of what it should always be about but um uh you know, you get, you get, you learn a little bit more about yourself and what you like, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And, um, you know, trying to always lean on your strengths is without, without pushing them is you realize that that's, that gets old. Yeah. You know, so you gotta, you gotta push them and you gotta kind of like, yeah, I'm glad that he, he added that in there. Um, talking about just them. And, and, and I know that there can always be like a deep meaning that I glean from lyrics but sometimes, and and Mitch has admitted to this with Tom, is like sometimes it's just whatever lyrics kind of fit. And Jim kind of alluded to that was this was just what was going on at the time. And maybe he did or didn't know Brad. I don't know. Um, but he, maybe he was in his class, and it was just a big thing at the time. And they thought, let's put this song Dude, together. Mitch went to a different school, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were at uh, opposite ends of the valley, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if opposite ends of the valley, but different high schools. I forget the... Yeah. I have it bookmarked somewhere, but yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I, I'm really glad that Jim was cool with chatting about that, and especially like a song that we very likely three months ago would have had not much on. Right. Although I feel like we've been sitting on this stuff for so long. So. <laughs> but you know what though, I felt like the way that we've that you mainly have laid it out is the, probably the the most. Um, you you've got the most. Uh, foundation or at least the most weight behind it now than you did than you would have a couple of months ago it's almost like okay you know what i feel like we can we can really dig into this and you had almost what like 30 40 minutes of just supporting arguments on i suppose yeah (laughs) timelines and and uh, this track so yeah this is an important one we didn't want to yeah for sure yeah um well do you have any other track notes before we jump into other random stuff no 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 I kind of covered everything. Yeah. How about AZ RV campground review, Reusery Mountain, five things to to do. <laughs> this is a uh, a couple called Living in Our Now. And for the most part, I watched this. I didn't understand what most of it is. Uh, what's near the campground, bang for your buck, and all this stuff. But they did have a complaint. Where is that thing? I want to make sure I give you the right timestamp. It, mostly because I want to see you understand what this stuff means. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, let's see. I got to show the transcript and search it. What is it called? Like when you're emptying your RV, unloading, or are you talking about like when you're, you know, you're leaving and you're gonna like empty out your like latrine? I guess. Oh no, I, we call it dumping. <laughs> it's very simple. We okay. got a dump. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. 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 Here it is. Okay, so at 4.12 <laughs> on this video, let me go ahead and get you this Watch Together link. And I'm gonna get you. It's a very uh, they just had they, they had a note about uh, the dumping site. And mostly, like I said, because you know this stuff. 
Right. Okay. All right. Let's join this room. I'm excited to see this. Give me some context here. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. For 30 and 50 amp here, which is cool because we didn't have to pay extra for that. So if you are coming out here in the summertime, one, you're really brave, and two, <laughs> at least you have the ability to run your AC air and microwave and everything else. Yeah. The bummer thing with there being no sewage is that there is only one dump station. Oh yeah, for the 70. With some. two lanes for 75 sites. So when we leave tomorrow, which is a Sunday, which is when a lot of other people are leaving after a holiday weekend. It'll be interesting to see how backed up that yeah. gets. No pun intended. Ah. <laughs> also amenities. Um, they do have bathroom facilities, showers. And bathrooms are clean. We went in there and the showers. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, one dumping site for, what do you say, 75? Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I think the most backed up uh, we've been has been about three or four. And you figure it's going to take three or four I like. Yeah. Um, and I like to really, I completely clean it out. Like I'll, um, I'll let it run until the water that we can see in the little, uh, that's coming out of the pipe. Is, How do, is what's the function here? How's this working? All right. You're running water through one end and draining out the other or what? Yeah, exactly. So it's not, not every, not every trailer or RV has one, but there is a, uh, there's a flush valve where once you've opened up your, your gray and your black lines and they're both running. So now you've got. What was in a tank in your in your unit uh, in your rig is now evacuating out. There's there's a there's a there's a line that kind of like a house where there's like a, an exhaust line. So there is it's not like there's a completion of the cycle of of air. However, what you do is you put you pump water into it, and so it flushes it out. Uh, I like to let that run for like at least fifteen minutes until the water is completely almost like clear, and then. Yeah. Yeah, my my brother in law will just drain his, not rinse his, and then just go on to the next time, like whatever. Oh, right, yeah. How about I, every I, time you like go to? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What are you using the gray water for? Gray water is going to be your sink, um, or that's going to be your galley. So that's so going to probably sink. smell when you go to wash your hands or something, right? Uh, it could After. be. Well, there's another gray. There's another gray line that goes from your shower and your uh, your bathroom stuff. So there's a mm. couple of gray lines. There's two gray tanks that we have, and then there's a black tank in the middle. And um, the the thing that I like about flushing a tank properly is that there's a sensor inside that if you keep that clean, it'll last longer. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to tell of course, yeah. how full your tank is. And you're going to say like, hey, it's been three days. I think we're full. And then you right. kind of have to know. So that's wild. what they're talking about there is that there could be a big ass line for like you could be there for an hour on a Sunday, at least an hour or two just waiting in line. Wow. But that's when everyone else goes off, and I sit there in the car and pull it up a little bit further, and that's my thing. I'll just chill there for an hour and wait. And what, the kids go out and play or something? Yeah, they go find, yeah. get dirty or something. You know, yeah. they're all washed up. and Interesting. They enjoy so, yeah, I watched that uh, whole video to say, like, oh, what would Justin <laughs> find interesting in here? And that was the most. Yeah, funny. I mean, that's like one of those things. It's kind of like the uh, the misery loves company. Like, you talk about that kind of stuff. That's the, the topic of conversation with other people. Like, oh, man, you, you ever <laughs> been here on a, on a Memorial Day weekend? <laughs> What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah, that's poop, all I have poop for talk, Poop talk and obituaries, man. This is a great one. Yeah, man. Uh, community. <laughs> yeah. All what right, dude. Hit. Let me hit you. I got. A, I got about five from uh, my favorite website, Reddit. Here, one from just uh, a year ago. Favorite song from Self Titled, uh, posted by Somewhere I Made a Wish. 
Gotta be honest, the first time I listened to that album was last night, but I liked it. So far, I really like House Arrest and Reason 346. Both great tracks. Uh, and then Jimmy Eat Pod with four points. Top post response. Reason 346 and Usury are very good. And then, Oh, was that me foreshadowing? When did I leave uh, that kind of? That was one year ago. I don't think it has an... I, no. I That's interesting that I paired up those songs. Yeah, August 27th of 2020. Wow. Yeah, and then at the very bottom of the list, no, that that's it doesn't mean anything. Ago. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's one more one more month to being to being a couple years ago. Uh, a heap of games. A hog. Uh, Thomas Adam Adam Thomas Heat. Reason three forty six or usury. So same thing. He echoed our right. uh, our comment up top. Next one was ah, from Mister Colty five two years ago. What is the best song off of the original nineteen ninety four album? I always love a good snake oil 27. But I think this one was a little more serious. I actually like Usury quite a bit. I think it's also the only one Jim sings on that record. Edit. Wow. Listening back, it barely even sounds like his voice today. Yeah. Crazy how different that EP is. And then uh, Emmy 2018 says, I'm with you on Usury. So she's a fan too. Yeah. She knows what's up. <sighs> she does know what's up. I know G. I uh, out to her about this episode. And the previous, and uh, did you do it through Reddit, or did you do it through course, yeah. Face? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, but I don't think I, I don't think she had any like uh, huge insight on it. But yeah, okay. A couple years ago, album ranking discussion post from Gentleman Radiant. I'm curious to know everyone's ranking of the albums. Here's mine: Clarity, Surviving, Futures, Integrity, Blues, Bleed American, Chase of Light, Invented, Static Prevails, and Damage. I can talk more about it in the comments. Uh, always respectful discussion is appreciated. Happy listening down below. Um, Yaz Nasty does a very in-depth uh, album by album uh, list. And their number 10 is 1994 self-titled shoulder shrug emoji. It is what it is. A few catchy pop punk songs, but not really the reason most of us became fans. User usury is the only gym song kind of shows some hints of where they'd go as a band. Agree. Totally. Yaz Nasty. And then uh, Captain Wiki Wiki, a couple months ago, best Jimmy song by album. What's the best Jimmy World song on each album? And Usury only shows up once. Mecha Pangolin, hard hitter Mecha Pangolin. Hard question is hard. And they said uh, Usury off of that album. All right. Static. Let's see. And then the last one from Reddit here. Favorite track off self-titled 1994 album, Atera MPIW. I think mine would either be Chachi Patches or Reason 346, especially the second half, which is sort of a peek into what their sound would evolve into. Agreed there. Um, and then they got into, I got into Jew after listening to Blister, but uh, did what I do with most bands and listen to discography in order. Never heard the new night, or never knew the 1994 record was basically disowned for quite a while. Actually quite like it. It has some fun tracks. Nowhere near as good as what followed, of course. But for some whose favorite records are Static Prevails, and Clarity, I think it's cool to listen to to put these records into context. For instance, the latter half of Usury with the strings and yep. Jim's faint vocals, you can really get a sense that the ideas behind Clarity were already being formulated. Would love to know everyone's thoughts. And then Emmy chimes in again. Usury and Chachi are my two from that album, uh, top two. Listening to their catalog in order is amazing. I've only done it once, but their growth is amazing. Yeah, so a couple of mentions of just noticing how their progress uh, as a band was evident in this track from this album. Last one I have is from Facebook, Courtney Smith. She is the polar queen. If you're on the Facebook fan group 
And uh, she was doing, this is December 1st, 2020. She was doing, I think, letter by letter. She was pitting right. songs, right? So she said, you, you is for, um, this is awkward. I haven't heard either of these used songs. Hopefully a lot more of you have. And this was a poll, 51 votes. Uh, and let me ask you real quick. You don't have to give me a, a number, but uh, Usury versus Untitled, which do you think won? I guess it's which Untitled, but it's probably Untitled. <laughs> it was. Well, untitled with 88%. Usury with the remaining 11%. So it did not uh, did not fare very well. And uh, that's what I have for Community. Sweet. Um, I've got a couple things. Somebody on San Means mentioned the park. Usury Mountain Regional Park is a huge preserved area in Arizona. I don't see how this fits in with the song, but just thought I'd throw it out there. It's um, <laughs> uh, all about it, man. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Pasta Chicken Nugget 42. What? (laughs) Yep, that's the name of their thing. And then Darren the Tuber had a comment on YouTube uh, that is similar to the the comment you already read. Okay. Uh, Five years ago on YouTube, uh, uh, this is a YouTube post. Who posted this? The 1994 self-titled full-length uh, it's posted by Travis M. Long out of print, rare, blah, 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 blah. So Darren the Tuber says, The middle part of Usury was a hint of things to come. All in all, the album is a surprisingly good listen. The production is pretty professional, and despite what's being said, it's not as far removed from Jimmy World DNA as you might think, especially the mellower moments. And uh, Dave790 says, I agree. Some of the stuff would sit comfortably on Static or the 12-inch uh singles collection i also think the production is all right and joe bob henry bob 2000 says hey the production beats minerals first album so that is uh, a little bit that i saw um and uh yeah um i have no covers but i do have another band called ptna that has a song mm, called misery on Bandcamp. ptna uh i wonder what that stands for uh yeah i don't know pretty tasty no one's asking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of PTNA usury. I see a lot of modular synthesizers here. Sick. Um, and PTNA, dude, from Chandler, Arizona. Oh, so man. Town boys. Named for the same park. Since 2014, Jason Ols- Justin Olson, a.k.a. PTNA, Patina, has focused on creating musical projects, performances, and albums on his Eurorack modular. Justin enjoys introducing people to modular synthesis and being knowledgeable, resource to expose, and bring students to this area of study and creation. Justin is currently a modular synthesizer instructor at the Academy of Modern Music Production in Arizona. And our theme music yeah. was made with a modular synthesizer. Hell yeah. I don't know, David. This this track seems to be missing something. Oh, yes.
Would you say the soundboard is ruining the pod or enhancing the pod? <laughs> I think we need some more like clean drops and not just parts of other songs. <laughs> well, with the next track that we're doing after this one, I think there is one very clear uh, addition that uh, can be made to your oh, soundboard. Sick. Oh, yeah. It's so good. So good. Oh, I'm and excited. It's, and that. it's Jim, baby. So, Justin, what are your final thoughts? And I didn't make a rave DJ. I couldn't get it to work at my parents. And I, I didn't did, know if it was a rave DJ issue I, or an internet issue. Well, maybe it was for the best because mine says it's a mess. So I don't oh. even want to play mine. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are your final thoughts on the song? Usury by the band Jimmy Eat World. Uh, you know, it's an early track. Uh, and I think the comments on the whole Sarah Pont part, that string break, uh, that guitar break, there are a lot of elements uh this track that uh, alluded to what the band was going to become. Um, I, I agree that. I agree with that statement, that commentary that all of our – uh, the other people in uh, community had commented on uh, and elsewhere. So it, it's a good song. I didn't really hear it before this. I mean, I had five, what, five scrobbles, but I couldn't right. tell you what the song sounded yeah, like. Yeah, it, it was almost like listening to a brand new track for me. Yep. Um, yeah, man. So it's a good track. Yeah, I, I just uh, love that to revisit it. For sure. And yeah. I love that bass line, man. Mitch's yeah. killing. Yeah. yeah. So same for you then? Same for me then. All um, right then. And, uh, and yeah, if you... Uh, list, dear listener, uh, are experiencing a track for the first time, remember that it might be your first time and that you should continue to be excellent to each other. And party on, dude!